We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. Visit the brewery out in Santa Rosa, or you can order beer online at cooperagebrewing.com. They'll send it right to your front door if you're over the age of 21 and live in California. Or do both. Like, go visit the brewery. Try out all of the beer, figure out which ones you like, and then order some when you're ready. I think that's the best move. There's no better way to acquire beer, and there's no better brewery to acquire that beer from than Cooperage. All right, let's talk about the 49ers outlook with Brock Purdy under center. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. I'm going to pat us on the back, Chris. Pat us on our collective backs for our Sunday night podcast. Where we did not dive into the 49ers Brock Purdy outlook, we kept it to the micro of week 13 for the most part. And then talked about the Sacramento Kings <laughs> and my beer fridge. The beam team. Beam team. Hashtag like the beam. LTB. <laughs> so now we have to get into what the rest of this season looks like since Brock Purdy is going to be the guy. Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season with a broken foot. Kyle Shanahan shut down the idea that Trey Lance would be activated to come back at any point this year, which means it's the Brock Purdy show the rest of the way. And just my preliminary thought, based on what we saw on Sunday, like just what we saw on Sunday, I'm not removing the 49ers from the contender bucket. No, I, I think one thing that really stands out just about the NFL overall this season, and that's not to say that like elite quarterback play isn't important, but I think it might be less important this year than others. 
And I think we're sort of seeing it around the league that so many teams can get away with, frankly, mediocre quarterback play. And mm-hmm. I think it all sort of ties into the spread of Kyle Shanahan's assistants or guys from his coaching tree getting jobs or being play callers offensively around the league is that the system is really designed to be sort of plug and play for the quarterback, like be quarterback proof, right? Like be uh, be designed to where you don't need elite quarterback play to to have the op- offense function efficiently. Right. Um, I think we see that in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. Um, we obviously have seen it with San Francisco with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and you can just go on, you know, D- Dak Prescott to a certain extent in Dallas. Like you can, you can go throughout the league and maybe with the exception of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, um, a lot of these passing games are just, they have built-in efficiency into them, right? Like it's not, it, it, the, the very few teams are running like the Peyton Manning spread five wide offense, do a bunch of a bunch of audibles at the line of scrimmage, get guys in the right looks, and then, you know, complete passes. This is like a lot more play action, a lot of um, just design plays to get guys going in space, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of yards after the catch. And that's obviously what the 49ers specialize in, right? So I, I just think in general, the idea that you have to have an elite quarterback to contend, I think is less prominent this year than many others because of just the quarterback play generally throughout the league, like on the bell curve, I feel like 75% of starting quarterbacks are all in the sort of average category. Right. And then you have some really bad ones and obviously you have some really good ones, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think you could, we've seen it like Washington is, is playing at a pretty high level with Taylor Heineke. Right. Like Mac Jones to a certain extent. And I know it's been a little bit rough lately, but like the Patriots have been a 500 team with with Mac Jones not playing at a particularly high level. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Justin Fields not playing great as a passer, really good as a runner, but the Bulls are, are kind of getting by Ryan Tannehill. Right. Like somebody who we don't think of as an elite quarterback, but the Saints are always a top seed in the NFC. Um, So I just think when it comes to evaluating the 49ers and Brock Purdy and what their ceiling is, you know, obviously you don't feel as good about Brock Purdy because he's a rookie and he's a seventh round pick and he's a Niners third string quarterback as some of these other more established options. But you could look at the 49ers skill skill position guys, the fact that they have so many guys that are good at getting yards after the catch. And perhaps most importantly, their defense is the best in the league. Like you can win playoff games with that formula. Can you win a Super Bowl? That would be highly, highly improbable. But can you win a playoff game or two? I don't think it's crazy to to have that expectation if you're the 49ers, given how talented this roster is, given how long these guys have been playing together given how long Kyle Shanahan's system has been in place there. Um, I do think as long as Brock Purdy's not turning the ball over, 
and the 49ers are able to run the ball and he's able to to get the ball in his playmakers hands in space whether that's bubble screens or you know short play action passes or what have you I think the 49ers are going to be a tough team to beat regardless do I think they're better in Philadelphia probably not right like I would give you know I'm not a huge Jalen Hurts guy but given that Jalen Hurts is our starting quarterback who they presumably would have healthy in the playoffs. Like that's a decided advantage to the Eagles who are also going to have home field. Right. But like, can the 49ers beat Minnesota in Minnesota with Brock Purdy? I absolutely think so. Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, the 49ers objectively got worse on Sunday. No question. Like Brock Purdy, regardless of what he's asked to do, he's just not going to do it as as high a level of as Jimmy Garoppolo. And so my my question, I guess, is what happens when a team has a week to game plan for him? What is Todd Bowles going to throw at him? And is Purdy capable of, because he's going to make mistakes, is he capable of overcoming those mistakes? And when he does start making them, do they eventually stop? Or is it going to be floodgates open and he throws one pick and he's going to throw four? Like these are, there are legitimate concerns, I think. And, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it's hard for any quarterback to go to the Super Bowl. Any, any rookie quarterback, surely. Well, no rookie but, quarterback has ever played in the Super Bowl. Right. As a starter. So, so that's kind of where the concern comes in. It's like, man, they've got all these hurdles to clear. And then even if you clear all of those, you're running up against history. But on the other hand, if there was any team at any point in time in the history of the league that was going to be able to take Mr. Irrelevant and turn him into the first rookie to ever start at quarterback in a Super Bowl, so it would be this roster, right? Yeah. With this coaching staff? But yeah. on the other hand, on the other hand, I think it's very important to remember, like I don't want to rain on the Brock Purdy parade because Sunday was objectively fun. But I think it's important to remember that this is a seventh round draft pick playing quarterback. That's not to say he can't go succeed. I just need to see a lot more before I'm ready to go like, oh man, look at that. That was just step one. Wait till he gets a few starts under his belt. He's going to be incredible because I think regression could very easily come and maybe come easier than some monster improvement over the last five or six weeks yeah i agree just looking at the nfc right it's like okay eagles are 11 and 1 jalen hurts is our starting quarterback i don't i mean we haven't seen jalen hurts play at this level right like he came into the season largely as an unknown i think a lot of people were down on him given the way that eagles playoff game in tampa bay went last year right minnesota nobody thinks particularly highly of Kirk cousins well they're still the two seed and they're 10 and 2 Niners, obviously, eight and four, three seed. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. They're five and six. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, nine and three. I think a lot of people talk a lot more in terms of the Cowboys. Like they are where they are because of their defense, right? That like it's not that Dak, Dak Prescott is having some like enormous season. Um, right. The conversation, at least nationally, about the Cowboys is centered around their defense. The New York Giants somehow doing it with Daniel Jones, right? I don't think anybody thinks Daniel Jones is particularly good. And Seattle's doing it 
they're the seventh seed with Geno Smith. And obviously there are questions like we had conversations on this podcast with Joe fan. Like are the, <laughs> are the Seahawks tanking by going in with, with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And it turns out Geno Smith is more competent. But the point here is that like, you don't need a superstar quarterback to be among the better teams in the NFC this year. And even the quote unquote superstar quarterbacks, Tom Brady, five and six, you know, Aaron Rodgers, they're five and eight. They're the 10th seed. Um, the Rams have had all sorts of issues, but, you know, Matt Stafford, they're three and nine. Kyler Murray, you know, highly paid quarterback. They're four and eight. Like, I, I just think, you know, like it's obviously going to be more difficult with Brock Purdy, given his lack of experience and given that he's a rookie and he's a seventh round pick and all of that. And he doesn't have a great arm and he's not stature wise a big guy but just looking around the nfc in particular you don't need elite quarterback play to contend in this conference and i think that the difference is for the 49ers is that they do have skill guys that's probably they, they probably are the best group of skill guys like receiver tight end running back in the nfc i would argue and i think you know you can make a case for dallas maybe having the best defense in the league but i think the 49ers you know, are probably, I know they were number one in yardage. I think maybe they were second in scoring, pulling it up right uh, now. They were number one in both. They were number one in basically every major category. Yeah, so now they're, they're still number one in both, um, scoring and yardage. So, yeah, I just think in another year where there were star quarterbacks up and down the standings in terms of, like, the teams that were contending, yeah, maybe it would be, you'd look at Brock Purdy quarterbacking the 49ers differently. Mm -hmm. But just this season, like it's not, these teams aren't winning necessarily because of their quarterbacks. So I mm -hmm. think in that way, that just provides a little bit of context that maybe, you know, maybe this year you can win with Brock Purdy and maybe that's a little bit unique to other seasons. In the NFC, I'm just talking about. The AFC, obviously a very different, different dynamic with Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore if Lamar Jackson's healthy, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow coming on and playing really well. Miami for most of the season when Tua has played well. Um certainly not the Jets who are the 7th seed, but um but yeah, I just looking around the league, I think it's fair to point out that like maybe maybe you don't need elite quarterback play. And maybe a lot of that has to do with the fact that Kyle Shanahan has had so many assistants and so many branches off his coaching tree take on play calling duties elsewhere where it's more about like getting yards after the catch and having those elite skill guys and having like an elite quarterback, a, Pey a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady in his prime to win. Right. So Mick Mullen's name has got brought up a lot over the last couple of days. And in 2018, we know his first ever start against um, against Oakland. Well, then Oakland, now the Raiders. They were he the went... Raiders then, too. Yes. <laughs> then Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders. And Mullins goes 16 of 22 for 262 and three touchdowns. And it was like, holy cow, this guy. Um, but then he goes, you know, 250 with a touchdown and two picks in the next game and then 221 with a touchdown and two picks and he came back down to earth a little bit but over eight games and this is where i think the benchmark could be for brock purdy 
because Mullins was doing this in 2018 for a terrible 49ers team. That was a, a really bad team that that had some talent, but none of it had really hit its stride yet. And he completed 64% of his throws. He was at 284.6 yards per game with 13 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And a 90.8 rating. If I almost called him CJ Beathard. If Brock Purdy can step in and do that and just be that, just be what Nick Mullins was through his first eight starts, the Niners are going to be fine for all the reasons you laid out. It's like the one play that really sticks out because I don't think he made a ton of like obvious rookie mistakes. I'm guessing there were some missed throws that were there that he just didn't see or or didn't let rip. Although Brooke pretty not letting one rip doesn't really compute, but uh, that that might have been the case. But the Niners don't need a lot from their quarterback. It's mostly just don't turn the ball over. And the one play I keep coming back to is on the first drive, he was rolling out to his right and then tried to throw back across the field left to Brandon Ayuk. And the entire time the ball was in the air, it's like, that's a pick six. Like, that is such a bad throw. And it wound up going for pass interference, and I just got a first down and everything worked out. But that play keeps sticking out in my mind because it's like, man, those rookie mistakes were there. They were hidden a little bit, and he made a couple of nice plays to make up for for holding the ball too long by rolling out and buying some time and making good throws on the run. But I don't... I think if there's any... It's just I'm I'm caught in between because I get the optimism, but I also think realistically... Like, can he be Nick Mullins? Sure, I guess. But can Kyle Shanahan do that with two quarterbacks that were virtually undrafted? That I'm less sure about. Yeah. I mean, precedent is always... Precedent in the NFL is tough because... You know, like, if if we made every every prognostication based on precedent, then we would, you know, Nick Foles never would have won a Super Bowl, right? Like even Trent Dilfer, even, you know, like the nine and seven Giants teams, Brad Johnson, the nine and seven Giants team won a Super Bowl um, with Eli Manning, who was pretty mediocre for most of his career, save for a couple Mm -hmm. good Super Bowl runs. So I, yeah, I mean, so in terms of the ceiling, like I, I thought with Jimmy Garoppolo as our quarterback, the Niners could get to another Super Bowl. Um, I would not expect them to to beat Kansas City or Buffalo or whatever AFC team awaited. Maybe like if the Bengals or Titans somehow made the Super Bowl and the Niners are playing them, then then, you know, maybe I would feel differently. But in a Super Bowl scenario against Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, I would not pick the Jimmy Garoppolo led 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to have obviously a much more difficult time reaching a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. But I don't think it's entirely out of the question. And like we were joking about it in the group chat last night, like it would be hilarious and fitting 
given all that's happened the last few years surrounding the 49ers quarterback situation, if they give Jimmy Garoppolo a top of the market contract in February of 2018, then they move heaven and earth and make the biggest trade in franchise history to get Trey Lance. And then they end up deciding that, you know, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo get hurt. And then Brock Purdy leads them to a level of success that somehow makes Brock Purdy the guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Like that, that would, it wouldn't be entirely surprising if that's how this ended up. It is unlikely, but given how just wild and crazy all this stuff has been and like Brock Purdy just needs to do just enough, right? Like that's the thing, the way this team is built, they're not going to need Brock Purdy to carry the load and they're probably not going to need to score 40 points a game. So you know, am I saying it's likely? No, I'm not saying it's likely at all. And I'm not even saying I feel better about the Brock Purdy, you know, Brock Purdy being the quarterback than I did about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they can still win a playoff game or two. And anything beyond that would be, frankly, shocking to me. But I still think it's possible. But again, like the sample size on Purdy is very small and it can't be a roller coaster with with young quarterbacks. So you know, we'll we'll have we'll obviously have a lot more data to to use in the coming weeks, but you know, I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's a death knell for their season. And frankly, I don't think it changes the way I look at the team all that much. I do think I'd probably feel fifteen percent better about you know going into a game with Jimmy Garoppolo as your s- starter in the playoffs. Than I would with Purdy, but if Purdy's not throwing interceptions, and really to me that's the most important thing, if he can operate yeah. the offense and not throw interceptions, then I think the 49ers would be a tough out in the playoffs, no matter who they play. Okay, so that's that was one of the questions I posed to you last night. Was how did the formula change? Because I don't think it has. And I'm trying to somebody somebody at work today at a radio job asked what Garoppolo does from like a football standpoint better than than Purdy. And he has a better arm. Purdy Quick. does not throw throw it with a ton of velocity. Quicker release. Yeah, Garoppolo's release is insane. And just his understanding, and this is this is my like less so than Purdy, whether he's good or bad. It's just like he hasn't seen anything in the NFL. Sunday was his first real action. Like Todd Bowles is going to throw stuff at him that he's just not ready for. And that's probably going to happen every single game because he's seen close to zero NFL action. So I guess that's where I'm kind of getting caught up. Like Purdy looked a lot better than I thought he would on Sunday. But at the same time, the sustainability of it has nothing to do with him. If he's going to get the exact same defensive looks, then yeah, sure. I think, I think they're going to be fine, but what is what does he do when teams are game planning interesting ways to blitz him and changing coverages at the snap and doing things to confuse him? Right. And that's something we just don't know, like how how he's going to respond to that. Yeah. And I think it's that's up to a, Kyle. That's a question, right? I think it's up to Kyle Shanahan to build in as many advantages he can for Purdy in those situations, just into the game plan and into, you know, each yep. individual play. Um, 
because I, I do think one major advantage that Purdy is going to have, and and we saw this with Jimmy too, was just having an outlet, having Christian McCaffrey as a checkdown yeah. option. You know, even having Debo Samuel or George Kittle as checkdown options, just to mix it up. Like, you know, if if a play goes wrong and you're still able to get five six yards out of it because you're able to dump it off to McCaffrey instead of getting you know thirty yards downfield or whatever, that's still ultimately a successful play in many cases, right? And that's Mm -hmm. having that in the form of Christian McCaffrey after the trade was the reason why, in my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers just spiked so much. This is like, oh, this play went poorly. Okay, I'll check it down to McCaffrey, get six or seven yards. Right. And then that's obviously a much better outcome than an incompletion or throwing a pick or throwing an interception, trying to throw thread the needle to Debo Samuel in triple coverage, right? So if if Shanahan is able to build in some schematic advantages when it comes to blitzes and pressures and all that stuff, then I think Purdy can be successful enough playing opposite that defense for the 49ers to, to be in any game they play. So the, the other thing when it comes to, to Purdy playing well, because I don't, I don't necessarily want to put like Super Bowl on the table yet but this kind of zooming out a little bit further this could wind up working out really well for the 49ers from a quarterback roster building standpoint because if Purdy just plays well enough that they feel good about him as a starter maybe he goes what what do they what do they have five, five games left five games left so if he goes three and two and they finish 11 and 6 and let's say he wins a playoff game and they get to the divisional round and purdy looks for the most part like he did on sunday with some ups and downs at that point do you think they're comfortable going into the uh, going into the season with like him and lance as their as their one and two because i think that would be the ideal scenario right like you make a little bit of a run and purdy just shows enough in that action, get some valuable reps and looks like a player that like, yeah, hey, two quarterbacks on rookie contracts for the next three years. Yeah, I think that would be the ideal scenario just because Brock Purdy would be so cheap. Um, But, you know, it, it, it really depends. Like three and two, if he goes three and two and puts up Nick Mullins like numbers, then I do think there's a pretty realistic chance that they just say, okay, if Trey's not ready, then at least we we feel like we have a little bit of confidence in our backup potentially in Purdy. But if Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I think it's funny, like not saying rap sheet taps this podcast as a source because of course he doesn't, but hilarious. But, <laughs> I love that idea though. But but you know, I I had said like two weeks ago that I thought there was a real chance that Jimmy Garoppolo would come back. And then Ian Rappaport reported before Sunday's game that um, not to close the door on Garoppolo coming back to the 49ers. It's almost the same situation now because it's, you know, it's going to be six months. So until he's healthy, so is a team going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo in March, two or three months before he's healthy. And are all the quarterback 
dominoes going to fall before then, just like they did this last off season? And is Jimmy that- Garoppolo just kind of destined yeah. to come back or, or our team's going to say, well, we'll actually take a chance because, you know, we, there were all these question marks about him last year, but it turns out Jimmy could still play at a reasonably high level. So maybe we'll just sign him in March. Or does Jimmy say, you know what? I feel really comfortable with the 49ers. I know they've moved heaven and earth to replace me, but like, I know the system. I know the skill guys. The defense is great. I have roots in California now. Like, do I just, do I just chill and come back on a blow market deal? Maybe like a one-year contract so he can hit free agency again in 2024, potentially be healthy for that. Like, I could see Jimmy Garoppolo wanting to come back and I could see the 49ers wanting to have him back. And then there's also Tom Brady. And if Tom Brady... You're big on the Tom Brady thing. His contract's up in Tampa. He's divorced, so he can essentially go wherever he wants. He's a Bay Area Mm -hmm. guy. We We know he's wanted to come back to the 49ers before. The 49ers may have an opening. They may look at it like we're not entirely ready to give Trey Lance a starting job on a contending team. And if Tom Brady is going to play one more season, if you're Kyle Shanahan and you look at the tape and say, I can win with this guy, it makes a lot of sense. And like Tom Brady has all the money in the world. Like you're not going to sign Tom Brady and, and it's not going to ruin your cap situation either. I don't think. As Tom Brady never really has every every deal he's signed for the last decade has been team friendly to the point where they can sign other guys and, and they make the finances work. So I'm not ruling out Tom Brady either. The only thing I feel comfortable saying is that, like, I just don't think they're going to go into the season with Trey Lance as the only option that they feel comfortable with in terms of like starting games. Well, that's where Brock Purdy comes in. Right. So maybe maybe this is the silver lining in this, to your point, from a long-term perspective, is that Purdy, Purdy gets reps, plays in a playoff game or two or three, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we feel comfortable enough with Brock that if we have to start the season out with him as a starter while Trey Lance is still getting more comfortable and whatnot, then maybe that's the direction you feel comfortable going in. Mm-hmm. but it's there are so many variables and so many unknown factors that it's really <laughs> impossible to say right now but i'm open to all of it like i and Jimmy coming and- back and tom or tom brady being in the mix like not there there's no scenario that would surprise me other than like okay we traded trey lance like that would be the only real surprising one because they would be trading him when his values his trade value is really at the lowest it would be I think the fact that we're not really sure what the outlook is right now, which is what this podcast is about. But I think part of the reason we're not sure or the fact that we're not sure is a testament to Brock Purdy. Because when Jimmy Garoppolo went down, I was at the radio station for for post game and there were a few people sitting around and it was like season's over. Like that that's it. Like this, this they're going to lose this game and Brock Purdy might not want to start. And he goes out and plays as well as he did. And it was like, oh, they got action. It just At happened to be their, their most important win of the season. Yeah. And it was like, okay, their season's not over. And that's as far as we've got right now. 
But I think the fact that we're looking and going, yeah, shoot, why not? Why not? Why couldn't they go make a run behind this defense? When all, when, when all, I keep wanting to call it Mullins. When, when all Purdy has to do is distribute the ball and not turn it over. And I, I think there's, I think it's going to be interesting to see against Tampa Bay if the Niners do more stuff like with him on the move. Because I thought he was pretty impressive when he got outside the pocket and made a couple throws on the run. So maybe it just looks a little different and they figure something out offensively and they're able to move the ball efficiently. And like the fact that that's even on the table is a really, really significant deal. He didn't look over his skis. No, not even right? a little bit. Like he looked, he looked calm. He looked like he had a grasp of the offense. They were still running some like non-traditional stuff. You know, it wasn't like they, they were running game plan specific type plays. And it wasn't just necessarily like, okay, well, our third string quarterback's in. We got to roll with our vanilla preseason offense. Like, it felt like the 49ers were still running their offense and Purdy was doing it capably. Now, is he a top 15 starter in the league? No. You know, but like <laughs> That'd be the, wild. The, the Niners could be the Niners could be effective. Like if he's able to play at that level that we saw him play against Miami and they're obviously going to be vacillations. Yeah. Like positively and negatively. But if he can generally play to that level, I just think the Niners and we saw it. They beat the Dolphins, like one of the best mm-hmm. teams in the AFC. If he can play at that level, they're they're just going to be a hard out in the playoffs. Yes. Whether yeah. on the home or on on the road or at home. Yeah. So that's my thing. Like I you obviously feel less confident about them than you would if Jimmy Garoppolo had remained the starter. But for me, I don't think there's like some drastic fall off or the season is over. And maybe that changes. Maybe he does look completely over his skis against Tampa Bay. Or maybe he maybe he throws a bunch of picks and his confidence gets shot. But the thing for me was like, you know, Kyle Shanahan saying he's got he's got a lot of balls and him like making some of those throws in the face of pressure. Like those are generally good signs for a quarterback. So. If it were a situation where he did go into the Dolphins game and was just looked completely ill prepared and, you know, like the team could feel it like there was no drop off from the team. Like, I think there are some teams in some situations where, oh, shit, our third our third string quarterback is in. We really got no shot. And you see the rest of the roster kind of fold. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that didn't happen against the Dolphins, I think certainly the defense said, okay, now we got to, we got to play at a really high level and we got to pick this up because we do have our third string quarterback, but the, but it was like, it wasn't an, oh shit, we're screwed. It was okay. We, right. we still believe we can win if we play at a high level. So let's go do that. And that's what they did. And that to me is like a positive thing when it comes to just their belief in Purdy, the, you know, the locker room culture stuff, all that stuff matters. And I think that's, that was my, that ultimately those things are the reason for optimism mm-hmm. from my vantage point is like, they believe in him enough to where they think if they play well, they can win games. 
it's not like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. now we're screwed with our third string quarterback. We got no shot here. Like, there was none of that feeling Mm-mm. watching that game on Sunday. No. And I thought they responded on both sides of the ball. And that's honestly why I won't, I won't ever be in the, at least for now, won't ever be in the camp that is, that believes Kyle Shanahan is somehow holding this team back. Like the, yesterday was a perfect example of that. Not only did I think he did a nice job with Purdy, but the fact that the overall team mindset was, hey, let's pick up the slack and go win this game and not, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is out. We have no shot. Right. I think a lot of that comes down to coaching. And I think Shanahan did a nice job. Did you change your background? It went very white. No, it's still it the same. Like an Apple commercial. I might just uh, the lighting might be different. Mm. I got the shades down. I got yeah. But, it looks great. Uh, I've been going through punting stats because I wanted to make a Mitch Wishnowski point. When you have Mitch Wishnowski to flip field position, yeah, and pin opponents inside the twenty, in addition to your elite defense, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> and. Because I had talked about making the Mitch Wisnowski point. Right. Only 111 return yards allowed. Get out. What? Yeah. Can Nick Mullins over a full season of starts be Nick Mullins or Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy. Okay. Just making sure. Through, well, I was going. I was going. I was in Nick Mullins' box score real quick. Mm. In his first fourteen starts, so seventeen games and fourteen starts, he threw for forty-two hundred yards with twenty-two touchdowns and nineteen picks. The picks were ultimately what made him not good. Well, right, and that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at with Purdy. Is I wouldn't be surprised if the yardage total is inflated. And he already has a couple of touchdowns to his name, but can he avoid the picks? Can he avoid the turnovers? Can he not run into sacks? That's what I need to see. Like, that's the next benchmark. Benchmark mm-hmm. number one was like, hey, don't be a disaster. And he wasn't. They won the game. But week two is going to be harder. There will be advantages for him with the full week of action as the number one quarterback in practice and getting all those extra reps. But he's also going to have a defense game planning for him. Yep. And game planning to shut down a rookie quarterback. And that's going to be very, very difficult on Sunday. Agreed. Do you have anything else on the Brock Purdy era? Mitch Wisnowski has 23 oh punts God, down inside so the 20-yard line. That comes on 43 punts. That's one, two, three, four, five. Tie for six in the league. Six best. So 23 punts down inside the 20. 43 punts on the season. Carlos Waitman, 23, 72 punts. Ryan Stonehouse, these are real names, promise. Mm-hmm. 24 inside the 20 on 66 punts. That's 23 more punts than Mitch. Cameron mm-hmm. Johnston, 64 punts. 21 punts more than Mitch, 26 inside the 20. Point is... <laughs> this is riveting. If if we're going to do the ratio of punts to punts down inside the 20, oh, Mitch has got to be up there. Punt inside the 20 rate. <laughs> Hit rate. <laughs> so Brock Purdy's got 
got a punter on his side here. Shout out. If you're looking for another reason for Brock Purdy optimism, look no further than Mitch Wisnowski. Okay, I won't. <laughs> Which is another way of saying, I think I've said everything I got on this topic. I like I like the idea that you end every pod of the Mitch Wisnowski fact. If if I were to tell you Ryan Don't burn Stone- another one. Don't burn no, another one. We got no, no, another no. pod this week. No, if I were to tell you Ryan Stonehouse is a real person who's the punter for the Tennessee Titans, would you believe me? No, I would have said Ryan Stonehouse is currently in the transfer portal from Georgia because he wasn't going to start over Stetson Bennett. Well- He's considering <laughs> Liberty and SMU. Ryan Stonehouse feels like a blocking tight end who's like con- con- contemplating a Big <laughs> Ten school. And and he scores six touchdowns a year and four of them come in the two games against the 49ers because he plays for the Seahawks. <laughs> and the 49ers have no answer. Um, okay, how do you feel about Baker Mayfield? No. I'm just out. Mostly not because I think, like, I think he, from a pure football perspective, I think he'd be fine. I think he's just kind of a shithead. And I don't want that energy in my locker room. Okay, so I guess they're crossing off Baker Mayfield as on the list of potential Candlestick Chronicles guests. Noted. Crossed off right now. All right. I'll um, tell him to his face. I think he's a shithead. I'm sure he'd have a great response. <laughs> like, Baker's the kind of athlete that would give me the response that an athlete should give, which is like, yeah, well, I've made more money than you'll ever have in your life. So right. I'd be like, damn. Yeah, how many, how many insurance Baker. commercials are you featured in on television none baker yeah um so i'm out on baker if the idea is you sign baker and he's immediately the starter over purdy or signing him with the idea that he's eventually going to be the starter over purdy because i just don't think that's how a team operates just like you have a guy in the building for as long as purdy's been in there you have all the reps like that. And it's not like Mayfield has been so good. He's been horrendous for the Panthers and really horrendous for the past couple of seasons that he doesn't have the equity to be like, okay, you're new here. And now you're our starting quarterback just because you were the first overall pick in 2017. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 2018. 2018. Oh, okay. okay. Whenever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if Baker Mayfield's brought in to be the backup, I wouldn't really have a problem with that. As long as you're confident Baker isn't like he's going to be a model citizen and be a good backup and be helpful and all of that, which you would think that's that would be his prerogative because he's going to hit free agency in the offseason. So if you're at that point in your career and you're a quarterback in the NFL trying to get paid, you just need to be a model citizen no matter where you go because you can carve out a nice career as a backup making a handful of million dollars a year, just holding a clipboard and being supportive of the starter and a good teammate and all of that. So if Baker is willing to embrace that and that's, and accept that that's where his career is headed, then I'm, then I'm about it because you could, you just feel better about having somebody who's played in playoff games should, you know, say Brock Purdy takes a hit to the head in a playoff game, like, would you feel better about Jacob Eason or Josh Johnson or Baker Mayfield? Like Baker for sure. Obviously Baker hasn't played well, but for me, I would feel better about Baker 
in that spot than I would Josh Johnson or Jacob Eason, but I'm out on the idea of getting Baker Mayfield if you like think he's like a better option than Purdy because I just don't at this point. Yeah, I guess that's fair. It wasn't lost on me the timing of it all. Like the Niners might be in the market for a veteran quarterback. Baker Mayfield requests his release from the Panthers. Right. You know, like I, and we'll see. We'll see. I don't, I like, I think Nick Bosa would, would be fine. Like, I don't think that's really like the Niners aren't going to be like, yeah, I don't know. Nick Bosa doesn't really like him. So we're not going to sign him. (laughs) I think that I honestly would Christian McCaffrey be the bigger issue. Was there was there friction between them? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, at least at least McCaffrey McCaffrey could be like a resource. Be like, so is Baker a shithead? As has been reported on Candlestick Chronicles, or somebody that we should bring in to be a backup? Because we know John Lynch. They're definitely to the listening to the pod. Yeah. <laughs> they're like getting ready to sign him, and they're like, "Wait, hang on." Kyle just said he's a shithead. <laughs> Hold on, I'll get back to you. Pull the deal. I'll get back to you in 34 minutes. (laughs) I'm actually listening. I'm gonna have to wait till Thursday's pod. Yeah. Dang. All right. Hang on. Let's. Actually, no. It'll be 26 minutes because I can listen to one one and a half speed. (laughs) Oh wait, hang on. There's ads. (laughs) 23 minutes. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, I'm just kind of out on Baker Mayfield. I'm out on Baker Mayfield as like a franchise quarterback and somebody you think is going to like save your season. But if like if it comes down to Josh Johnson, Jacob Eason or Baker Mayfield, I'm probably putting him in front of that line. Is Baker Mayfield a good hang? I don't know. I've never hung out with him. I feel like Baker Mayfield is probably a tough hang. That's that's the feeling I get. Like the Browns could not get rid of Baker fast enough. No, just forget like forget the roster stuff and forget the football. Just like as a person, I but, feel like Baker Mayfield is probably a tough hang. Right, but that's why I feel like the Browns were so eager to get rid of him, not because he's a tough hang, sucks. but because like they're like, no, nah, we just really don't want you in the building at all. So we're gonna go give the largest guaranteed contract to a guy dealing with some of the most heinous potentially criminal accusations of any quarterback in recent history. We'd rather have that guy on that contract than you. And that doesn't speak all that well to Baker on top of the way he played with Carolina. So I get all of that, but if he's going to be potentially your fourth string quarterback, (laughs) somebody, somebody at work today, my buddy Evan Giddings brought up the idea that if, Baker Mayfield backed up Brock Purdy, it would be the number one overall pick backing up the last overall pick. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. He what? I hadn't heard that. And apparently now he's really relevant. That's that's Mr. Relevant. I get it. Yeah, that's the thing people are saying. Some people are saying. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go take a nap now. Please do. Okay. Please do. Um, yeah, we'll record again later this week. Do do a mailbag? Probably again. Yeah, let's do a mailbag. Shoot Kyle. Do a mailbag. Sh- shoot Kyle questions on Twitter. Thank you for finishing that sentence quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Just shoot Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'm a supportive. I'm a supportive co-host. Thank you. Don't want you to get shot. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I. I think we'll back and be good. Lots of questions going around. People are saying. lots of people are saying. Is is Brock Purdy actually Mister Irrelevant? Find out next time. Mm. On Candlestick Chronicles. What a tease. <laughs> Goodbye.